welcome, good morning, glad that you're with us. If you're joining us online, we invite you, um, say hello, comment, let us know that you're here. But um, if you were with us last week, um, during the sermon, we had some times for discussion. And so we're going to start that way this morning. So if you're online, we're going to give you the question and you can interact there as well. Here in the room, you can kind of either, if you're sitting with your family or a group, you can kind of turn and discuss, or you can just kind of turn your chair around with four or five or six people who are nearby while maintaining social distancing. So yes, we are saying group up, but maintain distance. That's how it works, right? But here's the question I want us to start with today, and I'll give you just a few moments to discuss it um, where you are. It's this, describe a time when you made a major change in your life. All right, so that could be something serious or something not serious, whatever. But describe a time when you made a major change in your life. Maybe it was like, you know what, I remember the day when we stopped eating white bread and we started eating wheat bread. It was a big day. So I don't know, whatever it is, you take a few moments right where you are. If you're online, comment and interact. Describe a time when you made a major change in your life. All right, so we've all made changes of varying levels and things like that. So we're gonna, it, there's a purpose to this. There's a point, so stick with me, right? Um, so this morning, we are continuing from the book of Jonah, our series, and kind of the subtitle of this series is The Transforming Power of the Gospel. So the story of Jonah is a lot about change and how God transforms and changes hearts through the power of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And so as we go through, we'll see like Jonah's heart, like God was trying to change Jonah's heart, but also the people that God sent him to, their hearts were changed by the grace and the mercy of God. And so my prayer is that as we look together as a church through this book of Jonah, that we can be honest with ourselves and to search our hearts. And if you know the story, you'll understand what I'm saying. To search our hearts for rebellion against God or maybe rebellion against what God's calling us to do. Like, that's possible for us, right? We can say, no, I don't want it. But we would search our hearts and see those things. Because the book of Jonah is meant to be like a mirror that we look into and we see ourselves as we actually are. That we need Jesus. We need the gospel to transform our hearts. So if you have a Bible with you, you can go to Jonah chapter 2. Now, Jonah is slightly um, a bit of an obscure book. Like, literally, it's like, it's just two pages. It's very small. So please, use your table of contents in your Bible if you need to. Um, it's page 774 in my Bible. I don't know if that means anything for yours or not, but there you go. Uh, but no, look it up, and uh, it'll be on the screen. Read along with us as we go. Um, maybe you know the story well. For some, it might be like a new thing, and that's totally fine. I'm going to try to recap through it. So before we read, I'm going to recap what this story is and where it's coming from. And afterwards, if you're still like, I don't know who this guy is, then I encourage you to read it. It takes about eight or ten minutes to read through it, and it's a fascinating story. All right, so to kind of recap what this story is, we're talking about the Old Testament prophet Jonah. And prophets were often people that spoke the message that God called them to speak, right? Um, so God calls Jonah... He says, go to this city called Nineveh and tell them to turn away from their evil and turn to God. Now, the people of Nineveh, they were, they were known as the, the Assyrian people, were known for, at that time for being cruel and evil people. They were enemies of the people of Israel, and Jonah hates these people, right? He does not want to go, and he does not want to see God be merciful to them. 
He actually knows God well enough to know that God will be merciful to them. He's like, God, I know. I don't want to go because if I go, you're going to be merciful to them and I don't like them, right? Um, So he runs the opposite way from Nineveh. Jonah was running from the task that God had called him to, but at the same time, he was also running from God. So he gets on a ship. He buys a ticket, gets on a ship to go to a city called Tarshish, which is fun to say. And it's what Tarshish is all the way across the Mediterranean in what's now modern-day Spain. And so there's a map here. And you'll see, like, he literally went a very long way to get away from what God was asking him to do. So he goes the opposite way to get as far away as he can. And so in the course of this journey on this ship, God sends a great storm, and the ship and the crew were in danger of sinking. The sailors try to figure out who Jonah is, and they're like, okay, so you, like Jonah tells them, like, no, I'm, I follow God, but I'm disobeying. And they're like, okay, why are you doing this to us? Jonah says, okay, here's the deal. Throw me in the water, throw me overboard, and everything's going to be calm. Eventually, they're like, no, we don't want to do that. And they're like, okay, fine, we don't know what else to do. So they throw him overboard, and the sea goes calm. And what you see at the end of chapter 1, that Jonah, it says that God had appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And that, and that Jonah was inside the belly of the fish for three days and nights. We're like, okay, I don't know how that works. I don't know what's going on here, but let's keep going, right? So Jonah cries out to God from inside the fish. And the great fish takes Jonah back the other way, the way that he came, right? And it says at the end of chapter 2 that he spits him out onto dry land. God calls Jonah again with the same message. He says, go preach to the people of Nineveh. This time, Jonah obeys. He goes and he preaches a seven-word sermon, which some people may be like, that sounds pretty good, a seven-word sermon, and then we go eat, but don't worry. Um, So he goes, he preaches a seven-word sermon, and the whole city turns to God. So it's like, okay, this is a happy ending, right? This is good. Well, kind of, because if you go to chapter four, Jonah is angry. He is angry at God. He hates these people so much. Even though he went and did reluctantly what he was supposed to do, he hates them so much that he's so angry that God showed mercy on them. So the story ends with God asking Jonah, basically, who do you think you are? Are you God? God says, should I not show mercy on the people of Nineveh? And the story kind of ends there, and it doesn't give us much resolution on what's going on with Jonah. So we're going to back up this morning. We're going to read chapter 2. We're going to see what God is teaching us and through the life of this imperfect and reluctant prophet named Jonah. All right? So Jonah, chapter 2. Um, if you have your Bible there, I'm going to start in right, right above chapter 2 in verse 17. This will be on the screen as well. So this is the very end to set the stage again. And it says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay, 
salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I'm going to read a little bit of chapter 3 as well. Here's what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was his sermon, right? And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Let's pray again together, and then we'll try to dissect this this morning. God, we are thankful for your grace towards us. God, I thank you that you have given us the Bible. You've given us your word. Lord, let us this morning understand more of what you want to do in our hearts. But God, also understand that only you can do that the power and the grace of God to transform and change us, to change people. So God, teach us, speak through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you missed, if you were not with us last week, um, I encourage you to go back through our Facebook page or through our website, and you can watch that sermon. Graham did a really good job of breaking down some of the like, okay, what is this book like? Is this a true story? Is, this, there, is there some imagery here? Is there some exaggeration? And there's differing viewpoints on that. Um, this, uh, and so Graham did a good job of talking through that. So I encourage you to go and listen to that through our podcast or on video. Um, but today we're going to focus in on chapter 2. It is possible for us to say that we understand the gospel, but we really don't. And when I say gospel, and we say this often because I want it to be clear, that means the good news, the message of Jesus, that Jesus rescues us out of our sin. But it's possible to say that we understand it, but we really don't. Because we can forget the mercy that God has shown to us. We can easily become self-righteous and self-important. We can easily think, yeah, I believe that, but I need something else to bring peace in my heart. We can know the gospel, that we are rescued out of our sin and brought into relationship with God through faith in the work of Jesus. And that's not through any effort or goodness of our own. We can know that and we can believe that, but in the way that we live our lives, we don't really know it deep in our hearts. Because we can still try to say, well, I've got to earn God's love. Or we can act like, we can say, I deserve God's love. Look at me. And we can look down on other people, basically somewhere deep in our hearts with an attitude that says, well, I'm better than you, so God must love me more. And that's not the gospel. We can want mercy and salvation for ourselves, but not truly want to see it for our enemies. And when we do this, we are forgetting or misunderstanding the gospel. And so, as I've been reading and studying this, and maybe you've read along with it, we can look at it, and I think we can be hard on Jonah. Like, Jonah, just obey. Like, listen, just let them have the mercy of God. Why are you so angry? We can be hard on him, but really, we're just like Jonah. Deep in our hearts, we need Jesus. Jonah needed, and we need, what I would call gospel realignment. Right? My first car was this old, beat-up 1973 Mercury Comet, and I don't know how many times I had to take it into the garage to get them to adjust the alignment. Like, you'd go down the highway, and it would just start going, and like you had to fight to keep it in the lane, right? That's our hearts. We, we easily drift 
and we need realignment. That's one reason why we gather on Sundays. Sundays is kind of like this regular rhythm of life that this is an ongoing place that we come and have realignment, focusing our lives on Jesus and on the gospel. So Sundays are important for that reason, but we also need it like every day. (laughs) Every day when we open up God's word and we read scripture and we pray, God is wanting to realign our hearts to the gospel. And so as we continue to study this book of Jonah, the main thing I want us to see this morning is this, is that God wants to work the transforming power of the gospel into our hearts and out through our lives. God wants to keep doing this work in us because he wants to work through us. So God wants to work the transforming power of the gospel into our hearts and out through our lives. All right, I'm going to give you a few moments here for a discussion. We've read this story. We've read this scripture. Here's the question this morning, and you can turn and discuss again. What do you think it would have been like to be Jonah in this moment inside a giant fish? What do you think he was thinking, feeling, and experiencing? So take a few moments. Obviously, we see some of his thoughts here, but have fun with it. Bring a little life to it. What do you think was going through Jonah's heart and life? All right, so take a few moments right where you are. Turn around, discuss. If you're online, add your comments there, and, uh, in, and we'll interact with you as we go. So take a few moments. There's a whole lot, and again, we have what's written here in Jonah chapter 2. There's probably a whole lot of emotion. Like, I was thinking about, like, Jonah was, like, he was a real guy. Like, he was like us, and like, if you can imagine, first of all, just being thrown into a stormy ocean, like that alone would be terrifying. And then all of a sudden you get swallowed up and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm okay, I'm still alive, but now what? Like, I don't know. He's like, am I actively being digested right now and I, you know, don't know it? Like, there's, you know, who knows, right? And so let's see what's going on here in chapter 2. And then we're going to look at some lessons that I think Jonah needed to learn and some things that we need to learn. The first thing that I want us to see here is that Jonah is crying out to God. Like in verse 2, we see that. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. It's an understatement, I think, to say that he was in distress. Like he's inside a giant fish. And verse 2 also says, out of the belly of Sheol I cried. That's kind of a weird word. And it was a Hebrew word that means like literally like the pit or death. Or maybe even like we might translate it as like the underworld. Like there's different ways to kind of look at it. But like he's like, I'm at, I'm at the end. I'm, I'm facing death here. I'm in the pit of death. And you, you read through this, and actually the prayer, um, it's quite poetic, right? When you look at verses 3 and 5, he says, You cast me into the deep, the heart of the seas, the waters closed in over me. He says, Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. What's he talking about? He's like, No, there's like literally like seaweed wrapped around me, the roots of the mountains. It's like, you know, if you think about islands and all these things, the, the mountains, they go all the way down to the depths of the sea. He says, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. And those weren't COVID lockdown measures. He's talking about bars like gates. He's like, I went down to the place where gates were closed. I had no way out. And all of you guys did not get my joke just then. I'm, ga- I'm not going to move past it here. Like, right, thank you. You'll get it later. You'll laugh at it later, okay? But all of this shows us that Jonah was desperate for life. And he was crying out to God. And think back earlier in the story, kind of what we, we recapped Because in chapter 2, inside this fish, Jonah's posture has changed. Because earlier he was openly running away from God. But now he's calling out to God. He's got, I've got nowhere else to turn. God, I am crying out to you. He knows he's in trouble. And he fully believes that God is the one he needs to turn to. And 
in all honesty, he has nowhere else to turn at this point. And he knows that. So the posture of his heart has changed. He's no longer running from God. He's, he's saying, okay, like, and obviously, you know, you look at Jonah. Jonah did not make the choice to say, okay, I'll turn around and go the right way. This fish is taking him. He's just, he's just a passenger here, yet his heart has changed. That's a good place to be. Because we've all been there where we've run from God and we've made a mess of our lives or a mess of our relationships. And when we do that, we will come face to face with the consequences. And in those moments, what will we do? Will we cry out to God or will we just double down and keep saying, I'm going to manage it myself. I'm going to take care of it. And it's a good place to be, to be crying out to God. And Jonah is humbled here and God gives mercy and grace to the humble all over the Bible. When you read the Bible, you see broken, messed up people just like you and I. And God is gracious to the ones who are humble and have that heart posture that says, God, I need you. That's who God draws near to. But we look at this, there's like, I think there's something interesting here that we don't see Jonah doing. Jonah does not repent. He does not say, God, have mercy on me. Forgive me for running from you. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me. He doesn't do that. He's crying out to God, but he's not really asking for mercy and forgiveness. So there is still, what we see from that, there is still work that God needs to do in Jonah's heart. Right? So what we see, Jonah's crying out to God. Second thing we see here is that Jonah is confident that God will rescue him. Right? There is no doubt in this story that Jonah believes, he believes in the power of God. We see this in his prayer. He's confident that God hears his prayer and that God will rescue him. Have you ever been in a situation like Jonah, maybe not literally inside of a giant fish, but maybe a situation where you have prayed and you have said, God, if you help me here, then I will serve you. Okay, I've probably prayed that. Anybody else prayed that before? That's like, you know, you see it in movies and stuff too, like, right? That's kind of what Jonah's prayer sounds like here. God, if you get me out of this, I'll serve you. Look at verse four. Verse four says, then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. In verse nine, he says, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed to pay. God, help me out. And when I get out of here, I'm gonna worship you again. I'm gonna give the sacrifices to you that you deserve. So it's kind of his prayer. Now, I don't really fault us for that, or Jonah, for that matter. Because again, God loves when we cry out to him and we are desperate for him. But you and I kind of know that often, sometimes this kind of prayer doesn't always pan out. Like in the problem time, we're like, oh, God, help me. But then when everything is calm, we're like, oh, okay, I've got this. I'm good, right? So it doesn't always pan out very well. Because it's easy to make promises to God when we have no other hope. But it's often a whole different thing to follow through on what we have promised to God. And it's not just about following through and saying, okay, I'm actually going to do it. It's do we continue in that heart posture of saying, God, I need you, right? Because once things are calm, it's our nature to say, like, oh, okay, everything's okay. I've got this now. But what we see here is that Jonah is confident in God and that God does rescue him. Verse 4, we already read that. He says, yet I shall look again. He's saying, hey, I'm stuck in this fish right now, but I have hope that again I will look upon the temple, meaning that I'm going to go back to my home, back to the place where I worship God. In verse 6, he says, yet you brought up my life from the pit. In verse 9, he says, but I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. And then verse 10, we see that he is actually rescued. So Jonah has no doubt. He's confident that God will rescue him. 
God responds, and he even gives Jonah a second chance. Like, that is an incredible mercy of God. Probably God could have just said, all right, Jonah, go ahead. I'm going to find someone else who's more willing. And yet God is gracious and says, here's a second chance. I'm giving this to you again. So Jonah's confident that God will rescue. The third thing we see is that Jonah acknowledges that salvation belongs to God. This is in verse 9, the very last line there. He says, salvation belongs to the Lord. I think this is the closest that Jonah gets to confessing that he has been in the wrong for running. It's the closest he gets to acknowledging that he's acknowledging that the power, the power that God has and the right to bring, God's right to bring salvation to anyone, even Jonah's enemies. Right? So he's saying, okay, God, if you want to save the people of Nineveh, that's up to you. So I think it's the closest he gets to kind of confessing here um, because he's acknowledging salvation belongs to God. It's his to give. But as we see, Jonah's human. Jonah is, needs God working in him. As the story continues, we see that Jonah was angry that God was willing to save the Assyrian people. Chapter 4, verse 1, it says it, ex- it, ple- it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. Jonah was not truly believing the gospel. Or he, was, he believed it, but he was unwilling to believe it. Because Jonah actually knew the truth. He knew the mercy and grace of God, but he had not been transformed by it in this moment. And God's wanting to do that work in him because people who are transformed by the gospel know The gospel is not just for me, it's for anyone. When we feel the weight of the gospel, when it changes our hearts, it brings us to a place that says, this is not just for me, this is for anyone. So we can learn from Jonah here. He had doubts. He had doubts about what God was calling him to do, but at the same time, he didn't have any doubts about the greatness and the power of God. He was confident that God would rescue him. He was confident that salvation belonged to God. But as we will see, there was still an issue deep in Jonah's heart. There was a lot that needed to be done in him. God wants to work the transforming power of the gospel into our hearts and out through our lives I want to look at three lessons that I believe Jonah needed to learn and that you and I need to learn as well. The first one is this. The gospel transforms our hearts. And by our, I mean anyone. The gospel transforms hearts. When you look at this whole story, you know, Jonah runs from God, he gets on a ship, and then this this giant fish takes him the other direction. He finally walks and goes. I I find it interesting, there's a lot of, like, geography in this book, a lot of things it tells us about places. But Jonah's biggest problem was not his position on the map. Jonah's biggest problem was his heart. It was the position of his heart. Yes, he disobeyed and ran, but he did it because his heart was not Right. The problem in his heart is what caused him to run the opposite direction and what landed him inside a giant fish. And like Jonah, if you and I, if we are willing to pray our prayers, sing our songs, read our Bibles, come to church, and so on, and yet unwilling for other people to experience the grace of the gospel, then you and I need to be transformed by that very gospel. 
So again, we kind of take a step aside and say, okay, all of this stuff, church, Bible, God, if this is just a religious system, then, you know, we can kind of do it and practice it and do these things, but it's not. It is God transforming our hearts. And the moment that we, look, that we as Christians, if we stand back and say, well, I'm better than them, or it's just for me, we are missing the point, and we need to be transformed by the gospel. And sometimes we need to be converted. What's that mean? Like conversion is this idea of when you come and you say for the first time, Jesus, my heart belongs to you. I give my life to you. Many of us here in the room or online have done that. We've put our faith in Jesus. But sometimes we need to be converted, not to Christianity, but to the implications of Christianity. Here's what I mean. In other words, what does it mean in day-to-day life to be changed by Jesus? How does that play itself out? in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. Because Jonah understood the power of God, but that had not changed his heart to love the people that he had been sent to. And so sometimes we need to be converted, not just to Christianity, but to the implications, to understanding, okay, if I accept that Christ loves me, it means that he loves you too. So take a moment. Here's, that's the question for you. What are some of the implications of Christianity? I don't mean like what are the things that you do, but like what are the results that happen when we put our faith in Jesus? How does it change our thoughts, our words, our actions, our attitudes? Take a few moments right where you are and discuss this question. What are some of the implications of Christianity? So there are implications of Christianity. And Jonah, I think, was missing something here because he said, well, yes, I love and follow God. I'm a prophet, but I'm not willing to do what that entails, which is trust God, obey him, listen to him, and know that he is in charge. To say, you know what? It's an implication of Christianity to say, I love my enemies, not because of me, but because Jesus has changed me. It's a result. It's a change that we learn to love people that otherwise we may not have loved. So for Jonah, he needed to learn, and we need to learn that the gospel transforms our hearts. There needs to be a shift in our hearts because the things that God wants to do through you have to happen first, have to first happen in you. The things that God wants to do through you have to first happen in you. How can we love people unless we know the love of God in our own hearts, unless we've experienced it in our own hearts? How can we care for the poor and the needy until we realize that we, in our poverty, have been cared for by God? How can we love our enemies until we realize that we have been loved even though we were enemies of God? For those that have children, how can we love our kids until we understand that we are loved as children of God? How can we give our lives away for others until we know that Jesus gave his life away for us? There has to be a shift in our hearts. We need that gospel to change us and to transform us. And we look at Jonah and he is a mirror. We look and we see our own hearts. Jonah needed this transformation in his life And we need it too every single day because God wants to work the transforming power of the gospel into our hearts and out through our lives. The next lesson that Jonah and we need to learn is this. The gospel is for all people. It's so easy for us to fall into the trap where we look at different groups of people and we forget 
that the good news of Jesus is for everyone. And the Bible is abundantly clear on this, is that God's heart is for all people, for every tribe and tongue and nation. And that God's heart is that every tribe, tongue, and nation will worship before him. God did not create some and say, you're better than them, I love you more than them. God's heart is for all people to worship him. This was part of Jonah's issue because Jonah was unwilling for God to show mercy to the people of Nineveh. For Jonah, they were those people. Think about your life. Who are those people for you? Who are the people you're like, I don't want to talk to them. Maybe it's a neighbor that leaves their trash in the way. Or maybe, maybe it's, a, it's a situation you're like that. I don't want to talk to them. He is those people. They are those people. Or maybe it's a group of people or a type of person. Or maybe it's an actual enemy. Or maybe even someone who has wronged you in massive ways. And that can be from small things to major, major life-altering things. But think about it. Be willing to wrestle with that this morning to say, who are those people for me? Because through the grace of God, we can come to a place where we never say God shouldn't or God couldn't transform or rescue someone. Because the gospel is for all people. Even looking, look, you know, we look in scripture in the book of Acts and we see the life of Paul. What do we see from the life of Paul? He went from someone who was attacking Christians and seeking to kill them and seeking to, like, per, to, to prosecute them and persecute them and all kinds of things. He was trying to bring them before the people. You know, he did all kinds of things. And yet, what did God do in his life? He transformed him. And there were many people at the time that said, I don't believe this. God would do that. God would change him. God changes hearts. The gospel is for all people. And what's interesting in the story of Jonah is that the Assyrian people, as evil as they were, what do they do in this story? They immediately respond with repentance, with humility. They turn to God. God loves a humble and repentant heart. And what this highlights for us is God's heart for all people that even the Assyrians in Jonah's mind, were, they were the worst of the worst. They were undeserving. But even those people could receive God's mercy. So if there is someone or a group of people that you find very difficult to believe that they could receive the mercy of God, then ask God to change your heart. And our hearts are changed through understanding and believing the gospel. <laughs> it's the good news of all of this, that even in these moments where we say, oh gosh, that is wrong with me, the solution is the grace of God in our lives. That's what we need in us, even when we see our flaws and our weaknesses. We need the grace of Jesus. The gospel is for all people. The final lesson that I think Jonah needed to learn, and we do too, is this. The gospel makes us heralds, not hoarders. I did not invent that. 
One of our, so Renaissance has a lot of people, a lot of churches that help support us and like they play a huge part in this. And so one of our partners, um, a guy that's a pastor at a church in the U.S., um, I saw him share this on Facebook and I was like, okay. And I told him, I texted, I said, hey, I'm going to steal this. I'll give you credit. So I told him I would refer to him as a great theologian, right? So there you go. But here's, here's what this is going to say. The gospel makes us heralds, not hoarders. Listen to what he wrote. He said, Jonah was a hoarder of the gospel. Jonah wanted salvation for himself. You see that at Jonah 2 verse 9. But he did not want salvation for his enemies. May God show us mercy like he showed Jonah if he finds this same heart in us. And may we repent. We are not hoarders. We are heralds. I think that is so well said. Hoarding, keeping stuff for ourselves. This is human nature. But God has called us as his people, not to hoard the gospel. We don't just come here on a Sunday, hey, this is our little club, this is our little group. That's not what it's about, that we are not to hoard that, but we are heralds, messengers, announcing the good news of Jesus. And as the gospel transforms our own hearts, we realize that we have done nothing to earn or deserve God's mercy. It has come to us freely, and so instead of hoarding it, we freely give it away as heralds. The gospel makes us heralds and not hoarders, and Jonah's problem is he was trying to keep it to himself or trying to give it to who he wanted to and not who he didn't. But the work of Jesus in us changes us where we say, okay, God, you have freely given your grace to me, and I want to freely give it away. Wrapping this up, Jonah disobeyed, he rebelled, he ran from God because he was unwilling for God to show mercy on his enemies. And God could have just found someone else to go to Nineveh, but he shows mercy on Jonah. He gives him another chance, and so Jonah goes, and yet his heart was still hardened. He was angry. He was angry that God was being merciful to the people of Nineveh. And too often, like us, Jonah still didn't get it. And he needed the continuing work of God in his life. We need the transforming power of the gospel in our lives. What we see, like the story, like it's actually kind of unfinished. We don't know what happened with Jonah, but, but just like us, we can embrace the truth and the implications of the gospel or not on a moment-by-moment basis. Like, our stories are unfinished. And we can choose every day to say, no, I'm going to hoard the gospel, or no, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Or we can say, God, my life belongs to you, and I will herald the gospel in all that I do. This is the irony of the gospel. We need it moment-by-moment in order to embrace it. And that might sound like circular logic, but when we, when we feel and experience the gospel, you'll know, you know what I mean. That we need the grace of God in order for us to receive the grace of God, and he gives it freely. What God is looking for is not our performance, not our good works, not our effort, not our keeping of the rules. God is looking for our humble and repentant faith. Jonah hated God's enemies, but we must know, every person in this room, if you're watching online, every person around us 
the message that the Bible gives to us is this, is that we must know that we were once enemies of God. Who, any person who has not put their faith in Jesus, the Bible says you are an enemy of God. It's like, whoa, back off. Like, right, I'm not an enemy, but this is the scripture says. We were once enemies of God, and yet God has loved us. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 11 says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a, perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in the, sorry, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You get that? You hear that? Every single person, we are born as enemies of God. We are born saying, I want to do things my own way. I don't care what you say. That is the posture of our heart. And for those here in this room who have put your faith in Jesus, remember you were once enemies of God. The good news is that God doesn't leave us that way. God has loved us even while we were still sinners. Even in that position of our hearts where we were saying, God, leave me alone. God showed his love. God sent his son, Jesus. And when we meet people and we talk with people and we share the good news of Jesus with people, that's not a popular thing to say, hey, you know what? How's it going today? Did you know that you're an enemy of God? But that's not the end of the story. Because the end of the story is that while we were still sinners. In the place we were in, in that place we were stuck in, God took a step towards us and sent his son Jesus that we can be forgiven. And through the love and the grace of God, we are no longer enemies of God, but we are sons and daughters of God. That's the story of every person who's put their faith in Jesus. Yeah, I used to be an enemy of God. Now I am a son of God. This is the grace of Jesus. And we desperately need to know and believe this gospel. And as we wrap up, I just want to talk through this, that the gospel is this, what I said, that every single one of us is broken and sinful, separated from God, an enemy of God, yet God in his love sent his son Jesus. And Jesus lived a sinless and perfect life. He obeyed God to the full extent of what we were unable to do, and yet Jesus gave his life and died on the cross. You and I deserved death because we were enemies of God. We deserved the punishment, the judgment of God. But Jesus said, I will take your place. Jesus, being fully God, paid the price for our sin. He died on the cross, and three days later, Jesus rose again from the dead. He has conquered, he has defeated death, that now there is a way that we can go from being an enemy of God to being a son or a daughter of God through the work that Jesus has done. It is not us deserving it, because none of us deserve it. It's not us earning it, because there is never enough good that we could do to earn perfection. But it's a work of God's grace through Jesus.
And when we put our faith in Jesus, it changes our hearts to love people the way that God loves them. Because what I want to see in the story of Jonah is, you know, okay, Jonah rebels, he runs away, and yet he comes and he gets in this fish, and he says, oh God, have mercy on me. You love the people of Nineveh just like you've loved and rescued me. And I kind of want to see that, like, that happy ending with Jonah, but God was still at work in him. When Jesus changes our hearts, we come to the place where we say, I don't deserve it, I didn't earn it, And that person over there, those people over there, they can't do it either. It's the free gift of God's love to them. So the gospel is for everyone. So this morning, maybe you're here in the room or you're watching online, and you've come to the point to understand, I am am an enemy of God, and I need to put my faith in Jesus. I need to be rescued. I need Jesus to forgive my sin because I can never do enough to earn it. The Bible says that the way that that happens is through what's called repentance, which means to turn away, to say, I am no longer in charge. Jesus, take my life. It's through repentance and faith, saying, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is the only way that I can come into relationship with God. We would love to speak with you. Reach out to us online. Talk with one of us. We would love to walk you through that process of what it means to put your faith in Jesus because there is no other way. There is no other way to get to God. We can't earn it. Maybe this morning you need to repent of being a hoarder and not a herald of the gospel. Maybe you need to say, God, have mercy, help me. I haven't been loving people. I've been unwilling to love people. So God, help me understand the way that you've loved me. Ask yourself, God, where, where do you need to work in my heart? Where do you need to work that gospel truth deeper and deeper into my heart? God's given us his word that we can look at Jonah and say, God, we can learn. I don't want to be that way. Help me, teach me. So ask him, God, where do you need to work in my heart? Be willing to ask God this question. God, what do you want to do in me? What is the work that you want to do in me? Am I unloving towards people? Am I impatient? Am I unkind? God, what do you want to do in me? God, take my life. I would even encourage you this morning, pull out your phone or a notebook and write those things down. God, what do you want to do in me? Write it down. Say, God, help me. And he does those things in us. God wants to work the transforming power of the gospel into our hearts and out through our lives.